Hey, folks, if you've been listening to our show, you've probably heard Victor talk about Hillsdale College. It's one of the few colleges in the U.S. still interested in teaching truth. What you probably didn't know is that they have over 40 free online courses. And Victor is one of the professors in three of those courses, American Citizenship and its Decline, based on Victor's book, The Dying Citizen, How Progressive Elites, Tribalism, and Globalization Are Destroying the Idea of America, The Second World Wars, based on his book by the same name, and Athens and Sparta, partly based on his book, A War Like No Other, How the Athenians and Spartans Fought the Peloponnesian War. Don't you wish Victor would have been one of your professors in college? Well, now you can join him as he covers some of the main ideas of his books with Hillsdale College's online courses, all available for free. That's right, for free. The courses are seven to nine episodes long, and they are self-spaced, so you can take them whenever and wherever. I think I'm going to start with American Citizenship and Its Decline, where Victor explores the history of citizenship in the West and the threats it faces today. Threats like the erosion of the middle class, the disappearance of our borders, the growth of an unaccountable deep state, and the rise of globalist organizations. Hey, start your free course with Victor Davis Hansen today. Go right now to hillsdale.edu slash vdh to start. It's free and it's easy to get started. That's hillsdale.edu slash vdh to start. hillsdale.edu slash vdh. <laughs> Hello, gentlemen. This is the Victor Davis Hanson Show. I'm Jack Fowler, the host, the star namesake. That is Victor Davis Hanson is the Martin and Ely Anderson Senior Fellow at the Hoover Institution and the Wayne and Marsha Buskey Distinguished Fellow in History at Hillsdale College. Victor has an official website, The Blade of Perseus. You should visit it. The web address is victorhanson.com. You should also be subscribing to it, and I'll tell you about that later in this episode. Victor, there's always a torrent of topics we could take on, get your wisdom on, but one that is late uh, breaking here, and we are recording on uh, Friday the 29th of September, and this news just came out within the last two hours, is that uh, Dianne Feinstein, the uh, senator from California, some controversy of late, has passed away. And Gavin Newsom has to uh, uh, nominate someone to to uh, fill that seat for the d- remainder of the term. And there's some controversy with that already because he's making promises that that person has to be or will be a black woman. We'll get your thoughts, Victor, on that, on the second Republican debate, on the new issue of Strategica, and maybe some other things. Um, but before we get to that, There are these very important messages. Can't pay the IRS? Haven't filed in a while? Receiving threatening letters? Yeah, it's about to get worse. The IRS is hiring an army of agents targeting hardworking Americans like you. You need warriors on your side. You need Tax Network USA. 
Tax Network USA has brilliant strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. For instance, they've discovered a limited-time special offer that the IRS is willing to waive $1 billion in penalties. Find out if you qualify before it's too late. Never call the IRS alone. Let Tax Network USA attorneys handle it. They have preferred direct lines to the IRS. They know which agents to work with and which to avoid. They've resolved over $1 billion in tax debts and offer a best-in-class guarantee. Schedule your free consultation now. Call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit TNUSA.com slash Victor. TNUSA.com slash Victor. Have you heard of cancer-fighting foods? The American Cancer Society discovered diets rich in fruits and veggies may actually lower, lower your risk of cancer. Hopefully you hear this and run to the store for five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. If not, you should consider adding Field of Greens to your daily health regimen. Each fruit and veggie in Field of Greens was doctor-selected for studied health benefits. There's a heart health group, lungs, kidneys, and metabolism groups, even healthy weight. What your body needs is found in each scoop of delicious Field of Greens. Will Field of Greens prevent, treat, or cure cancer? No, but it's so powerful, it promises at your next checkup, your doctor will notice your improved health or your money back. I got you 15% off and free rush shipping. Visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code VICTOR, V-I-C-T-O-R, for your discount. That's promo code VICTOR at fieldofgreens.com, fieldofgreens.com. We're back with the Victor Davis Hanson Show. Victor, I have to apologize first off. I'm a little under the weather, but sick or not, it's always a great honor and pleasure to talk to you. So, Victor, Diane Weinstein has gone to her eternal reward, and Gavin Newsom is playing the gender slash slash race a game in a di- immediate discussion of who will succeed her in that seat. Your thoughts, Victor? Well, on Diane Feinstein, I've followed her my entire career. I mean, she was this, you know, on the San Francisco County Board or City Council and the Harvey Melt and um, Moscone Mers put her into a position at mayor that she had not been able to fulfill. And the point was she there was a tragic opportunity. She sees it. She was very talented. And uh, the rest is history the last 40 years. But I was kind of shocked that this is why I was shocked. I was uh, driving today to get six dollars and 10 cents gasoline in California, diesel six seventy at the pump. And uh, I was listening to the commentary, and it was very funny how Chuck Schumer was talking in his encomium and about how when she came into the Senate, there were conservative people that deprecated her femininity or the fact she was a woman and blah, blah, blah. But the people who have been deprecating her are Chuck Schumer. <laughs> they, they want that vote. 
And they knew that she's from a blue state, so she was expendable in a way if she's in a red state. She wouldn't have been because the governor, Gavin Newsom, would replace her. So you had these centrifugal forces the last year uh, that were not subject, that somebody like Fetterman or Biden weren't even subject to. And yet there were the minority uh, bloc that wanted her out so that they felt that a Senate seat now belongs to a black woman because Kamala Harris was a black woman. And that's their seat, even though that's, you know, three to five percent of the population. Never, nonetheless, that was the precedent. So they wanted her gone. And then Latinos wanted her gone because they thought they could have a candidate that might win. And then the Democratic Party wanted her gone because they were afraid, you know, that she would be non compos mentis and wouldn't resign. So then she would physically not be able to get into the Senate chamber and they would lose that vote. So those forces had surrounded her and they didn't care that she was a lion, a lioness of the Senate and all this stuff that Schumer was telling us today. He was one of the people that was trying to get rid of her. And suddenly they got rid of her, but, you know, God got rid of her, so to speak. And now they will get what they wanted a year ago. They're going to get an appointee and the appointee will be the incumbent for this election in about a year. And so Gavin Newsom is doing what Joe Biden did. And you think he would learn that when you announce in advance the race and gender of your candidates, it cuts your selection by half by terms of gender. And in California, it cuts it by 95 percent in terms of race. So you're making the argument that you can you can look at two and a half percent of the demography of California and find a really great senator in a way that the 98 percent wouldn't offer. That's what we're talking about. And he's doing this for what? The black vote in California? No, there is not very much black vote in California. There's a white liberal vote and there is a Latino vote and he doesn't care about the Latino vote and the fact that and there's a single woman professional San Diego to Berkeley corridor. He doesn't care about that vote because he's not going to vote. He's not going to appoint Porter and he's not going to appoint our friend, Jack, Adam Schiff, uh, because they don't do anything nationally for him. So he wants to appoint a black woman, not because of California politics. He's done with California politics. He's been reelected. He doesn't care. And so he doesn't care about the black constituency inside California. And he knows that nationwide that white liberals who are fond of the chronic line Adam Schiff and the chronically obnoxious Kathleen Porter, whatever her name is, they are already there for a uh, candidate, but he's worried that the black community it may be hemorrhaging at 20 percent. So when he thinks he's going to run for president, he's going to do what Joe Biden did. He's going to say, I appointed a black woman and he counts on the tribal sympathies of minority groups. And they're going to say, I don't really care who it is. I just care about her color. And if it's Barbara Lee, it's not it's going to be Kamala Harris redukes. Worse or worse? I mean, uh, that's a question, I guess. Is the, yes, you because could... your point, I think, is well taken that the advantages 
for the right of having Kamala Harris is that she is a total incompetent and she's not really an ideologue. She's just an opportunist. Barbara Lee is an ideologue and far brighter than Kamala Harris and driven onto the hard, hard left agenda. And all of these people want to do to America what they did for to California. That's their, that's their whole point. Yeah. And somebody's living in a very poor community with sixteen to seventeen thousand dollars in per capita income, and you fill up with a twenty-one gallon gas tank. It's one hundred and twenty-five dollars, or you go into with a diesel, Echo Diesel Ram at thirty gallons for almost seven dollars. You're talking about one hundred ninety dollars to fill up, and with food very high in California, but they don't care. They could care less about that because they're very wealthy coastal people. When you said he doesn't care, he Newsom doesn't care about the Hispanic slash Latino vote. I find that a little um, jarring looking at perceiving California California from from this. He he doesn't need anything more from them. They've done what he needed. Yeah. They elected him. They stopped the recall. They reelected him. So he's done with them. Statewide, State, okay. But nationally, he's made some appointments uh, that they liked in in um, his cabinet and on boards, and he feels that it's not going to make much difference one way or the other. But the the black vote is key. They're losing. So they they've written off some of you know they've written off thirty five percent of the Latino vote nationwide and feel they can still win as they did in two thousand. But yeah. they cannot do that with the black vote. They need about 85% of the black vote. And they need traditionally blacks turn out in greater numbers than Latino. And in the states that matter, like Georgia or Michigan or Wisconsin or Pennsylvania, you know, the big cities, Atlanta, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, um, you know, Madison, Milwaukee, that's what they look at when they think that that vote will go their way at 90 percent. If Joe, if Gavin can say that he's been a big champion of black women and we'll see. But it's it's the whole thing is based on this essential asymmetry that given the history of the United States and Jim Crow's and we we're now into the seventh decade of the civil rights movement. But my point is that they still feel that young generations of so-called white people that are about 65 to 70 percent of the population, they are somehow culpable. And therefore, you can say in a blatantly racist fashion that I'm going to pick somebody on the basis of their color. And that if you were to say uh, I'm in. I'm going to run for president, and seventy percent of the electorate's white. So I got to. I got to appoint a white male. That you would be. That would be the end of it. And that's just. That's just the stated reality, and everybody assumes that it's okay to say that. Just like it's okay to have a racially separate graduation, a ra- racially separate dorm. You can. Ju- it's just institutionalized now, and it's kind of like the Jack. It's kind of like. When he's when Newsom announces that it's like the old Soviet Union and Pravda. So what we've developed in this country is a a schizophrenia that and you can really see it on stories. I was just examining this in a lot of the major online New New York 
Times, Washington Post, but things like Breitbart, Daily Caller, conservative too. And when you report a story and there's no picture or description of the suspect, everybody assumes that it's a minority suspect. And that is reflected in the comments. Look at the New York Post, for example. Right. Even they do it. But the thing is that just as the Pravda state narrative is so dishonest, and the comments are really loud. The people are upset about it. And it's kind of like living in Poland in 1965. What they tell you and what you think are two different things. Same thing with transgender. I mean, we're you're all supposed to say, yes, it's Pride Day. Yes, yes, yes. There's this is and then you you privately say Leah Thomas has no business as a six point four, a six four man competing. Or my daughter at a locker room at a JC does not have to dress with a quote unquote woman with male genitalia. Or I'm not going to put my six year old. But you say that privately for for the most part, and you don't get into the public realm. Right. And yeah. That's dangerous for society to have. Um, I don't know what you'd call it, but it's a it's a schizophrenic. It's it's two level. It's two mindsets, and it's it's true of global warming. It's true of Ukraine. It's it's true of Fauci. It's true of COVID. It's true of all of these narratives, and the yeah. narratives are false. The Russian the collusion was false. The Fauci narratives were false, and this idea that um, you can just pick somebody by race and it has no consequence is false. It's racist, but nobody says that. But they feel it. And that is yeah. why there's so much anger. And I don't know when people, yeah. when they start to meld or weld together, that is when the private collides with the public and it defeats the public narrative and it destroys it, then the system just collapses. So that's what happened in the Soviet Union and Eastern Europe circa 1989 to 91. People were so cynical and they didn't believe the state anymore. And that stuck that. That group of people became the majority, and then the state had no credibility or authenticity, and it just collapsed. And you're starting to see that a little bit with our corporate world, Target, Anheuser-Busch, uh, the Oscars, the Tonys, the um, NBA. People are just sick of it. But yeah. so far, they're just cynical. And you can see that with the Trump uh, trials and everything that the left keeps going on. Oh, he's guilty. But you look at the the polls, the latest ABC Washington Post that had him 10 points ahead of Biden and the empathy given him. And it's because the, the public narrative has no authenticity, no groundness, no truth. Right. Everybody knows privately if Donald Trump had have said on January 7th, due to all this controversy, I am not going to run for president but I'm going to help Republican candidates. I will be an actor, but I'm not going to run to president for president. He wouldn't be indicted today. Everybody knows that. This is all aimed at destroying his candidacy. And yet you can't really say that in a way. If I said that, I'd get it. You know, people at the Hoover Institution would say, why are you promulgating um, lies? And I've had some colleagues, you know, during the the, you know, they with the Scott Atlas stuff and right. They said, you know, don't you know that mask work, Victor? And don't you know that there's no evidence for the Wuhan lab? And don't you know that 
you're going to get only the vaccination can give you absolute immunity. And there's no such thing really in this case of herd immunity. Well, no, I don't know that. And, but that that's what we do in this country now. And I, it's not healthy because the level of cynicism is such that it's everybody. When I was listening to the hearings yesterday about the the impeachment inquiry, it was the same thing. All these Democrats say there's no evidence. There's not, and you think, where have you been? That's the official narrative that the good old Joe Biden was just calling for. But everybody knows that's false. And you know, there's money coming in. They find bank drafts. They find everything, and yet that's the narrative. You know, Victor. Another area I think people are feeling. This uh, anger, angst, brewing uh, is is with the the, re, the retail thievery going on. I know you spoke about this with uh, Sammy and the, this insanity in in Philadelphia, but there's also you know a headline uh, from the Washington Examiner: Retailers lost 112 billion in inventory in 2022, and then our friend. Douglas Murray has a great piece in today. And again, we're the 29th of September, the New York Post column about this Lululemon uh, and these stores with the policy, just let it happen. And don't you, I mean, I'm a shopper. We're all shoppers. We don't have any proclivity to want to steal, but why are we the suckers in this all of a sudden? We're paying, they're not. And actually now we're paying um, uh, the, the, the excessive costs created by this thievery that you retailers allow and won't fight back on. And by your not fighting back on them, you're essentially funding these organized crime operations that are going to further well, I mean, today destroy there was society. A, this is this is I know like for, to, uh, you know, people taking to the streets, I think. So. Well, what, what would be the reaction of the average American to these news accounts that were on television and then uh, online news accounts that people in the Harlem community are angry that the only target that they counted on to give them competitive prices is leaving. And I was listening to some of them. They said, well, they have things locked up. Well, then you read the story and they were the number of 911 calls that were not answered. It was daily. It was three or four, 10 a day, hundreds of them. And the security guards were not allowed to arrest. So people were just looting that. And then you think, well, did the community protest? Did the community volunteer to make a chain around there, the store? Did they were there the eyes and ears that, that no? And so when the target leaves, is everybody sympathetic to target? Yes. And so that's what's what what's different, and you can't talk about it. So I'll give you another example. I've had affiliations with a number of colleges, and some of them still have me on the books, or they do the ones I do now. And they have something called, as you know, Jack, the Cleary Act. And it said because of a tragic murder, I think it was at Temple University, it may have been somewhere in Philadelphia, a young girl was killed, and there was a known rapist murder in the area. Okay. And the university did not apprise the students of the crime rate and the danger. So they passed this, I think it was during the Clinton era, that each university within a particular radius or their, within their campus environs had to send out information if there was a crime committed on campus 
with a description of the suspect. So that the student body, the co-eds, the, the students could have some deterrence or they would have some knowledge to navigate around that area. Okay. Well, what happened after George Floyd, it, they just arbitrarily nullified that law because when you get something, they, they always parade or it's a confessional, really. They say, according to the Cleary Act, meaning we wouldn't want to do this otherwise. And then they tell you that, I think I got one today that said that a young woman in this part of campus was assaulted by a suspect, okay? It tried to steal the bag on her shoulder. And then when it said description, they said male, and then it said appearance or physical appearance, it said unknown. So my point is, if if somebody's coming up to a woman and attacking her and she knows he's a male, she's going to find out who he is. He could give some description, but they won't do it. And so what did people think when they read that? They think if he looked like the Beach Boys, you'd have his picture up. And so that creates cynicism is what I'm trying to say. And when you see it in every aspect, um, then people get, they get cynical. And I was in the, I was in my hometown the other day doing some business. And one of the people whom I didn't know said to me, Hey, I saw you on TV. Can you tell me why all the commercials have black people in it? And he was Hispanic. And I said, no, you tell me. And he said, I don't know what happened. They, it was like everybody got their share. They got the Latinos. They got the blacks. They got the whites. They got the Asian. But now they're 70 percent is all black. Why? And I said, I think it's a goodwill gesture after George Floyd to soothe racial relations. And this guy said, it has nothing to do with it. And so the point is that it's kind of like Big Brother that socially engineers in the corporate, the academic world, and they have all of these elite agendas and they think they can do all these things, but they are not committed to the truth. And that that's the, their fatal weakness because they yeah. create a cynical, angry population and they lie, 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 lie. When I heard that Representative Goldman the other day saying there's nothing here and you want to say, well, the Chinese Communist affiliated company just wired money to Joe's own residence. And Devin Archer said they had no company without Hunter. And Hunter just had an email this week that said, I'm not going to let anybody infringe on the Biden. That's the that's our name. That's the essence of this business. And then there's reports of 20, 30 million dollars. What do the Democratic people there think earned Hunter Biden, all that money and the fun and the family, all that money. What what do they think when for two, three, four years, Joe Biden said, I had no knowledge of my son's business. He didn't he didn't do anything wrong. And then the narrative just disappeared. What did they think? And so you're, they're lying. You're just supposed to assume that, yeah. you know, it was like Lieutenant Colonel Vindman telling us during the first impeachment that uh, he couldn't tell us if he at if he'd ever talked to the whistleblower. Next question. Was the whistleblower, was he on the National Security Council and had, I can't talk about that. That would give you information. Uh, does, did you communicate with the, I cannot tell you that that would, and everybody knew that he, it was just a joke that this 
Eric Saramella knew Vinman and Vinman heard a call and he wanted to trump up something. So he called somebody else, kept his hands out of it. They all three finagled with Adam Schiff and everybody knew it. Yeah. But then the, the narrative said, how dare you talk about whistleblowers? Even to this day, if you say the name, you're supposedly ratting them out. That's the public narrative. But privately, we know that he was the one that cannot concocted this ridiculous first impeachment. We were the one that knows that the left has nothing but contempt for whistleblowers like the IRS whistleblowers. They, they're they're outing them. They're making fun of them. They're, they're defaming them. So I, I guess and it's worldwide now. It's global. And when you saw that, I don't want to keep mentioning him, but Oliver Anthony's Richmond from Richmond, he said they all want to control you and they and they all want to know what you do and you know that that had a worldwide resonance because because people were saying we're and you know don't try that in a small town there was this idea that these people are complete inveterate liars and they just keep bombarding us with these narratives that we know are false right so when joe biden had the i, I couldn't believe it when he had the january 6th they had this memorial for five officers killed on January 6th. And I said, wait a minute. These people did not die on January 6th. They committed suicide in the ensuing months for like a lot of people do. We don't know the reasons. And Officer Sicknick did not die from a violent act. That's not true. There was only one person with 100% certainty that was killed, and she was an unarmed woman who was lethally shot with a low-level felony or high misdemeanor going into the Capitol that was should have been locked, and it was through a broken window. That was the the reality. And so, and then I, the other day they were talking about insurrection, 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 insurrection. Even in the Fox debate, insurrection, insurrection. One of the moderators, Calderon, I think. I mean, there was no insurrection. There was a buffoonish riot. But it wasn't an armed insurrection. Nobody with a weapon was found in the Capitol. Right. It, was, it was deplorable. It was wrong. You don't go into, I would never go into a federal building that was locked. Should have never done that. I would have never pushed on a barrier with the police. But the idea that there weren't FBI informants there, when, when Mr. Rosenberg from the New York Times, who won a Pulitzer reporting on, all of these things said that he, there were, it was chock full of FBI informants when Rice, Ray said he wouldn't tell us and when they wouldn't release videos and when Mr. Epps was given kid gloves treatment. I mean, everybody knows that. Don't lie to us. And we know that 120 days in May was 35 people killed and 1,500 officers attacked and injured. The White House almost stormed the White House grounds. Church torch, precinct burn, federal courthouse attack, uh, two billion in damages, hundred and twenty days, egged on by people like Kamala Harris. This won't stop. It shouldn't stop. It's going to go all the way to election day. Oh, by the way, fact checker, she didn't mean violence. She just yeah. means no, 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 no. So yeah. that's that's. I, I guess everybody. As a culturator, we're kind of like Poles or Hungarians that live in a 1960s society. Well, Victor, we're going to uh, maybe pick up on a thread there related to, to Biden. But first, uh, 
I just need to take a minute, and I, I want to take a minute uh, to welcome back a, sp a sponsor, relatively new sponsor to the Victor Davis Hanson Show, and that's Factor. With the busy fall season already in swing, you, dear listener, might be looking for wholesome, convenient meals for jam-packed days. Well, Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, can help you fuel up fast for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. So for our listeners, for listeners of the Victor Davis Hanson Show, Factor is going to give you 50% off. Head to factormeals.com slash Victor50. That's V-I-C-T-O-R, the number five and the number zero. And use the code Victor50 to get 50% off. That's code Victor50 at factormeals.com slash Victor50 to get 50% off. And we thank our friends at Factor for sponsoring this episode of the Victor Davis Hanson Show. Victor, just um, want to uh, pull a little thread here, and then maybe we, we can go on and uh, get your thoughts about the uh, second debate that happened, the Republican debate that happened the other day. But I was thinking with the um, with the congressional hearings and the revelations, you said between 20 and 30 million, I've seen one report, you know, it's 24 million dollars that the, the Biden Inc., the Corleone family has uh, has cashed in or taken in. As you mentioned, some of those payments going you know, directly to the Joe Biden's Delaware House. I don't think people think a majority of people think uh, that's implausible. You know, we should no people. Should, no one should be convicted on. I can imagine he could do that. But the media remember the media when the this you know the the Steele report or the debunking of all this, including say the the story that Donald Trump had some golden shower moment with some hookers or wherever the hell in Moscow. Absolutely no evidence of this. But the but the many people in media. Well, I can believe it could have happened though. So therefore, we'll keep talking about that. But the thing here's is something that, that everyone really could believe happened, probably did happen, that this guy and his family cashed in for 24 million. But no, let's not talk about it. It all goes in the memory hole because we're we're way past Joe Biden saying during the debate, 51 intelligence authorities have assured us that this is Russian disinformation, misinformation. So nobody what happens with these narratives, they're just narratives. They're passed off as a truth, but they're not true. And so the narrative just disappears. So all of a sudden, Anthony Blinken didn't really call Mike Morrell at the CIA. And the CIA really didn't get 51 intelligence authorities. And Jim Clapper and John Brennan didn't lie to the country that affected the first debate, or I guess the second debate, and it, it our first debate, and it didn't affect the election. And as a reward for their line, they're appointed to a Homeland Security Advisory Board, even though both are admitted liars under oath to Congress. Those are just narratives that just leave. And people, and it has something to do with technology, not just human nature. There is the ability now, as, as Orwell predicted, to blanket or saturate uh, your means of communication and information. When you have Twitter working with the the old Twitter working with the FBI at three million bucks a year to filter the news, or you have Facebook uh, doing the same, or you have Google rearranging uh, search results 
or you have people tampering in uh, what you can post is mis- you can't have the New York Post have access, or you can destroy parlor parlor uh, by not allowing it to have access to apps. Then you can get these narratives can really resonate, and and there's not a lot you can do about it. And that's, I mean, there is a conservative media, there's underground, all that stuff. I get that, but they have an enormous power. And it's kind of embedded within social cultural rewards that you feel that you're good and you're acceptable and people want you on their team and you'll be promoted at work or you will be left alone. Or it's kind of, as I said before, it's like buying an insurance policy and you you buy into the big brothers, you know, Oceana, and then you're protected. And then if you have a little incident or something goes wrong, then it's not going to be career ending. Joe Biden, that was his genius. He knew as long as he was good old Joe Biden, who was Mr. Progressive, the Tara Reid story and everything. So the narrative, remember in the 2016 narrative was women must be believed. And Kamala Harris said she believed Tara Reid. And that narrative then disappears. So, you know, it's, I think we're all Winstons and and we're all trying to think we're not crazy because these narratives pop up and then they when that they serve a purpose and then they disappear. Right. So we all say, oh, yeah, t- t- uh, Hunter's uh, laptop. It was probably I guess now. It, yeah, it, it, it was Hunter's. Oh, yeah. Right. I, Trump didn't really pee in a hotel room. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of funny. The Wuhan labs right next to the virus and it's controlled by the PLA. And they, yeah, we have all the gen, gene sequence. We now, all the, yeah, that, of course it was Wuhan. Yeah, Fauci, yeah, he kind of little talked a little bit crazy about the mask and the quarantines and the, and how great the, uh, the vaccines would keep us and downplayed her. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And, and it just disappears. Yeah. Move on. Let's move on. Nothing to see here anymore. We're going to have a new narrative for you. And that's why people don't believe anything anymore. Yeah. It's uh, it's really scary uh, to have a schizophrenic citizenry. It really is. Yeah. Well, we're going to get your, your views on the second debate. And actually, maybe we should, after that, raise a uh, little Tony up again since he was uh, secreted into CIA headquarters, the headlines from the other day. But let's get your thoughts about the second debate right after these important messages. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with factors, no prep, no mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer. Thanks to the menu of chef crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors Fresh, never frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great tasting meals. Make today the day you kickstart a new healthy routine. What are you waiting for? For our listeners, Factor is giving you 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month when you use the promo code VICTOR50 at factormeals.com slash VICTOR50. Choose from six menu preferences to help you manage calories, maximize protein intake, avoid meat, or simply eat well-balanced. 
With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Remember, to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month, head to factormeals.com slash victor50, that's V-I-C-T-O-R-5-0, and use the code victor50, that's code victor50, at factormeals.com slash victor50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. At Just the News, we break the stories others in the media ignore or are too afraid to tell. We did it on Russia collusion. Hunter Biden and the security and intelligence failures that preceded January 6th. Our stories have real impact and reach because we stick to the facts. I'm John Solomon. You can help me expand our honest, unvarnished, and unbiased reporting by becoming a premium member at Just the News. You'll get an ad-free experience and exclusive member-only access to events, and you'll be helping us dig up more truth. Join today at justthenews.com slash subscribe. Back with the Victor Davis Hanson show. Victor's website, The Blade of Perseus. The web address is victorhanson.com. Go there. When you do, you will find plentiful things. The links to Victor's essays and syndicated columns at uh, American Greatness, the archives of this podcast, links to Victor's other, some of his other appearances. His ultra articles, those are the pieces he writes exclusively for the Blade of Perseus, two or three a week. You can read them if you subscribe. If you don't subscribe, you can't read them. If you're a fan of Victor, you want to read them. So subscribe. Five bucks gets you in the door. Discounted at $50 for the full year. Do subscribe and sign up also for the email that goes out weekly that alerts one of Victor's writings and other things. Uh, by the way, at the Blade of Perseus, you'll find the link just up in the, within the last two weeks for Victor's forthcoming book out next May, The End of Everything, How Wars Descend into Annihilation. You can pre-order it at Amazon. Speaking of uh, places to find Victor, the Victor Davis Hanson Fan Club is is not uh, affiliated officially, but quite friendly, and that's on Facebook. The uh, VDH's Morning Cup. You can also find that on Facebook and on Twitter, or now known as X. Victor's hand handle is at VD Hanson. And by the way, Victor has been writing a lot of original stuff. He's tweeting or Xing. I don't know what you would call it anymore. Uh, kind of aggressively lately and great stuff. So uh, if you're not, if you're on Twitter and not following Victor, do it. Victor, um, yeah, the second debate, the second Republican debate happened a few days ago. Um, your thoughts of any, was there anything consequential about this? What, who, who was there and who wasn't there and who should we see no more on a debate stage? Maybe? I, yeah, halfway through, I sent a tweet out. I was, and I didn't know what the general reaction was, but I was really disappointed. First of all, I thought the moderators, and I really like Dana Perino. I don't know what, what she was trying to do. But why why after we knew what Candy Crawley had done in that 2012 debate to interfere on behalf of one? So when DeSantis gave his speech about his military career and his service in a war zone and tried to make the point that no president had such comparable uh, experiences since George H.W. Bush, I guess, in 1988, 
i.e. a president who had been in, in war, she interjected, well, don't forget Nikki, Nikki Haley's husband. And I thought, wait a minute, that's not your job, Dana, to editorialize and to give an edge to one. You're not supposed to comment. If I was on a debate and somebody said, I'm the only lawyer on on this stage and I was debating them with Dana Perry and said, wait a minute, Victor's mom was a judge. What the hell would that mean? So what? And then at the end of the debate, why would you say to the candidates, imagine you're in Survivor and you have to vote to kick somebody off the island, which DeSantis, to his credit, just smacked down. And then you had this, is it her name, Calderon from Univision? And they brought her on. And so that I guess she said before the debate that voices would be heard. But all of her comments were Latino this and Latino this and black this and black this. Why couldn't she just for one moment transcend her superficial appearance and be given some uh, uh, an avenues that talk about Ukraine or to press people on COVID? But she didn't. It was all about Latino this, Latino this, black this, black this. And it was very left wing. And so, and then I like Stuart Varney a lot, but I didn't, he, why did he ask this question, Jack? He said, I think it was to Tim Scott. Well, Ronald Reagan fired the air traffic controllers. Would you fire the the United Auto Workers? I'm saying, what? Ronald Reagan fired the air traffic controllers as federal employees that had given a written pledge as part of their contractual obligations not to strike. The United Auto Workers work for private corporations. And whether they strike or not is a business between the UAW and GM or Ford. And it has nothing to do with the federal government. The comparison was just completely wrong. And so, and I could go on. And then when you looked at the candidates, I thought, look, why is it, I, I like Mr. Byrne, but why is he here? He's not, I like Tim Scott. I really do. I've met him. He's a really wonderful person, but he's polling 2%. He's got a lot of money behind him, but so far he has not been to, able to translate his inspirational personal story, which he reminds us is, is very engaging into a systematic program. He's very good answering it. And Chris Christie is very glib. He's a kind of a human torpedo. He can take out Haley. He can take out. It was kind of weird. He didn't attack DeSantis, but he's he's polling 2%. And then I like Mike Pence, I've always liked Mike Pence. I'm baffled by the new 2.0 Mike Pence on the debate stage, who seems to do three things, Jack. He gets grouchy and he interrupts and he's kind of rude. And B, he references January 6th, January 6th, January 6th, January 6th. And he references faith, 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 Christianity, da, 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 da. And he's polling. 2%. So if you want the voters, the Republican primary voters to learn something about candidates other than Trump, then you would have DeSantis, Haley, and Ramaswamy in the next debate. 
And maybe they could talk about MAGA because Haley is not a MAGA person. And right. then maybe DeSantis could debate her on Ukraine. She could debate him on tariffs. They could debate each other on the border. But, and that would be valuable. And then the subtext would be, yes, Donald Trump is winning, but these insane people on the left are trying to tie him up. And I mean that literally. They think that they can put him at Mar-a-Lago under house arrest or gag orders or jail. And every time we say that they're insane, they wouldn't dare do this to an ex-president or to the leading Republican candidate. They do it. The weakest of all the cases was Latita James. And yet she's on her way to winning. And so what we're watching is left-wing prosecutors weaponizing the law, going before in big cities, primarily minority grand juries and juries with primary Obama appointed judges with Donald Trump barking at the moon, how unfair it is. And by the way, I would have had a mental and physical breakdown if I, by now. I don't know how he does it. So I'm very empathetic for him barking at the moon. But nevertheless, the more outraged he gets when he says that Comcast, AB, uh, NBC, MS should not be on the air or that Millie committed treason, which is arguable that he did. But why go the next little bit and say, and in the past that deserved execution or why attack the judge? Because what's happening is the more unfairly he is treated, the angrier he gets, the more he lashes out, the more the left wing judge, prosecutor, juries are convinced that they're going to punish him. For, if for no other reasons to be downright mean and to serve the larger purpose of their democratic masters, uh, you know, co colleagues, uh, associates in this progressive project. So what I'm getting at is if you had a debate and you had Haley debating DeSantis just to take two on the future of the Republican Party and then Donald Trump you would have a candidate in case Donald Trump is in jail. I know people say he can vote for jail. Or you would have Trump then saying, well, my legal problems and the fact that they're doing these two are getting a lot of attention will necessitate me to get back in the debate. And that would be wonderful to have all three of them there. But now with six, seven, eight people on the stage, with the vast majority of them having no chance to be president with bickering and screaming and yelling. And then moderators who a can't break up the crosstalk, don't follow up the question, uh, have no methodology. That's you know, who gets to speak first. So I guess DeSantis was in the middle because he's got the most money and the most uh, popular support. So he should have had the first question, the most attention. He didn't. And I don't get that. And so I thought it was an ungodly disaster, which to me, I shouldn't say to me, but I think it begs the question, Jack, if Miss McDonald and the RNC are putting on these amateurish debates, what are they doing about voting integrity? Right. Is that same managerial style. Right. What we're going to see in Arizona, Georgia, North Carolina. Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, right. 
In other words, they're going to talk a great game, but right now in those key states, there's going to be 70 or 75% mail-in ballots with no ability to authenticate them and no commiserate uh, balanced response from the Republicans. This is our friend. Can't Can't they say for every mail-in ballot you do, we're going to do two. But if if they can't do a debate, I I don't think they're going to be able to do that either. Yeah, our our mutual friend, Cleta Mitchell, who's cares deeply about this, says there are, you know, there's about 20 counties where this is where it's going to be decided. And this should really, besides the border and the insane person we have in the White House or in his home in Delaware on weekends or most days of the week, uh, this is the fundamental thing to be focusing on. And you're right, doesn't seem to be much evidence of it. Maybe there is. I hope there is. I don't know what's going on because... No one has been more outspoken about the need to authenticate and have fair elections in Cleta Mitchell, and no one has been more persecuted. I mean, they went out, the January 6th committee went after her. Fannie Willis went after her. Her law firm went after her. And for what? For suggesting that there were voting ballot irregularities in the 2020 election? I think a lot of people think there was. And the or that when you go from 30 percent voting absentee to 70 and the error rate goes down by a magnitude of eight or 10, then obviously there's going to be ballots that were cast that would not have been accepted in prior elections. But the way they treated her and the lack of support she got suggests that nobody else wants to do what she's doing. Because the left, this is a thing where the left is so paranoid. And you can see it strikes close to home. The left is basically in their private councils saying this. Give up on winning 51% of these stupid Americans. We're going to have an open border. And we're going to get 8 to 10 million new constituency before they catch on to what we're doing. And you may think it's sloppy and it's illegal. But the fact is, 10 years, you're going to be patting us in the back. Because we're going to have a whole new Democratic Party. And we may flip. Texas finally. That's the, what they're saying. And you and they're saying you may think these zero net green initiatives, but we will get to what we want. And we don't give a damn about the lives that are shattered. Like today, I saw people filling up at six dollars, 40, 30, 50 cents, depending on their blend they chose. They don't care. And this Democratic Party is is pretty serious and they're saying we're going to change the voting laws and we don't care because we don't have a message that appeals to 51 percent of the people and we control the institutions and even that is not enough we've got to change the way that people actually vote and we've got to make it basically if you are sitting on american soil if you're two feet on american soil whether you're registered whether you're a citizen, whether you're a felon, it doesn't matter. You're going to vote one way or the other. We're going to, yeah. and we're going to vote a particular way. Right. And so that's what the, that's what the that's what this revolution is about. Well, and when they're the the Senate bill, the Senate bill number one under the control yes. the Senate control of Chuck Schumer, it's about election. But when when uh, 
uh, oh my gosh, why can't I remember her name from San Francisco? The former Nancy Pelosi. Same thing when she was in control of the House. The HR number one was this uh, election stuff. I, they're telling us blatantly this is their priority, and yet it doesn't seem to be that kind. The thing is that the Republicans are traditionalists, and they feel that the Marcus of Queensbury rules operate. So they don't go after process. They say, these are the rules. That's one sideline. This is the other sideline. We play football within the sidelines. And these are the goalposts. The Democrats don't. The left doesn't. They feel the goalposts can be moved or put back, depending on whether they have a strong or weak kicker. If they have a, a broken field runner that needs room, then this the... The, the margins of the of the sidelines expand. If they have a up the middle, you know, run guy that can plow through, they they contract, and that's how they operate. And so everything is negotiable. A nine person Supreme Court negotiable, right. two new yeah. states negotiable, filibuster negotiable, electoral electoral college negotiable, southern border negotiable, foundational date of the United States negotiable. And then we just sort of said, wow, I guess uh, that's the new rules. Yeah. And, and they, we don't understand what the, they are true revolutionaries. And there is no consistency. If tomorrow, uh, Joe, we get four conservative justices to quit and we get they need four liberals and they get packed, they will say, you know, the worst thing in the world is even to consider a 15 person court. Right. Or if. Tomorrow, uh, they go into the minority, and in 2024, it's 60-40 Republican. They're, they're going to say, they're not going to say that filibuster was Jim Crow. They're going to say, it's a central building block of democracy, is the Senate filibuster. Everybody knows that. If the blue right. wall comes back, and they lose the popular vote, and you can't crack that blue wall, and they win on the electoral, they'll say, and let Electoral college is essential to constitutional government. That's just the way revolutionaries are. We don't get right. it. We do not get it. And uh, my God, well, you think that Bob Dole in 96, or you would have thought that George W. Bush in 2000, or you would have thought that John McCain in 2008, or Mitt Romney in 2012 would have caught on? But they didn't. They all lost the popular vote. They didn't understand what these, the left was doing. Well, Victor, um, let's uh, let's uh, conclude the show uh, after these messages with with some thoughts about once again Fauci, who we just raised earlier, um, trying to influence the CIA and its analysis of the COVID origins. And we'll get your thoughts on that. And a really interesting comment from one of our listeners right after this final important message. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. 
Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. We're back with the Victor Davis Hanson Show. Again, I apologize for my... My, uh, I admire you. It must, I've had so many calls, they're so <laughs> bothersome, painful. Oh, well, you, you really suffered, Victor. I'm just being a big fat weenie here, but, um, yeah, the New York Post headline from the other day Fauci, um, secretly went to CIA headquarters to quote unquote influence COVID 19 origins probe, House Republican alleges. And this is Representative Brad Wenstrup from Ohio, the head of the House Select Subcommittee on Coronavirus Pandemic. He revealed what he called quote unquote concerning information obtained by his panel in a letter sent to the Inspector General of the Department of Health and Human Services, arguing that it quote lends credence to heighten concerns about the promotion of a false COVID-19 origins narrative by multiple federal government agencies. The information provided suggests that Dr. Fauci was escorted into Central Intelligence Agency headquarters without a record of entry and participated in the analysis to influence the agency's review, Weinstrup said. Our goal is to ensure the scientific investigative process regarding the origins of COVID-19 was fair, impartial, and free of alternative influence, end quote. Yeah, Victor, I'm, I'm, I will say a little surprised. I, I, I would have thought Fauci and the CIA were already on the same team uh, in one regard. Maybe not. But uh, your thoughts as we close out this uh, today's show on our favorite little... Fauci is a very... He's suffering nemesis because of his hubris, and he's 80, or maybe he's 81. And Dr. Fauci, I like to, unfortunately, this is the truth. From now on, all of the news about you is going to be negative because the administrative narrative probed a state cannot control your narratives anymore because there's a fundamental truth. The fundamental truth was that when gain-of-function research was outlawed, you, for a variety of reasons, whether in partnership with the CIA or on your own or with Francis Collins or the CD, I don't know, but you routed money through Peter Daszak at Echo Health to use surrogates at the Wuhan Virology Lab to create gain-of-function viral research. Maybe you did it so our intelligence agency would have a an eye on what was going on. Maybe you did it so you felt that it would help vaccinations. Maybe you did it for a good cause. I don't know. But it was a way of circumventing U.S. law. And that lab, for all of your denials, for all of your pangolin narratives, for all of your bat stuff, that law, that lab was almost certainly the source 
of the COVID leak. And your emails with Francis Collins, redacted though they are, show that. And your career after February or January or March of 2020 was largely to ensure that we do not find that out. More importantly, you wanted to make the narrative that this thing came from a bat. So all of your attention would be about how to combat it. But you didn't know how to combat it because no, very few people did. So you would tell us to wear one mask. And then you wouldn't say that's not right. We're, they don't work, so you don't have to wear one. Then you'd say wear two. And then you would say that lockdowns and then partial lockdowns. You made everything up as you went along, which is permissible because nobody knew what to do. But you never went back and corrected what you did. And you became more and more full of yourself. You were a narcissist and you started to show us your office with pictures of you and bobble toys of you. And you gravitated to MSNBC and CNN. And you felt it was kind of ironic that this thing was blowing up the Trump administration. And you did all of this. Okay. But the fundamental truth was you were on a pile of $50 billion in health grants and you had enormous influence to affect things like the Lancet investigation. Uh, you could do internal investigations and you used your influence and your clout to advance a narrative that you knew was false. You knew it was false that a the United States was involved in subsidizing some type of research or giving expertise to some type of research or sending instrumentation to some type of something. And that type of research turned out to have killed a million Americans. And that's you're going to be your legacy. And the more you deny it and you use the clout of your office to affect uh, medical opinion or to punish uh, enemies and to reward friends so that you are protected, the more you would go before Rand Paul and under oath say there was no, the more your reputation is going to be diminished. And there's nothing you can do about it. And yeah. from now on, each day, your reputation is going to diminish because you are not capable of having a press conference and just saying, I've now looked at all the evidence and it was a mistake to have any relationship whatsoever with the Wuhan lab, which to me is likely the source of this COVID leak. And I apologize for not alarming and warning Americans about that. And as far as my conflicted Evidence goes about masking and social distancing and the efficacies of the vaccination. It was a very tumultuous time. At times, I lost my perspective and my disinterested position as a federal health official. And I apologize. That's the only thing he could do. And he's not going to do it. Right. Remember, he's science. He is, he is the, the science. science. I am the and, science. And he has, by bragging that he's the science and associating himself with science. Like he's, he is, well, maybe rightly the poster boy for mistrust of science because he abused it himself. And, and as we found out, Victor, um, I think, I think what he did has inspired a few other brave souls to go out there and show how, how many scientific studies now are kind of polluted with BS trying to, Reach I think they're going to have to go back and re, they're, going to, they're going to have to go back and and write rewrite thousands of articles that came out in a flurry 
from people who felt that the more that they championed the Fauci Collins position, the more they would get favorable treatment from the CDC or the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. Just a fact. And they have a lot of things to account for. They they went out of their way to destroy some of the great public health experts, Jay Bhattacharya and John Ioannidis, Martin Kuhlendorf, Scott Atlas. They went out and destroyed their reputations. And they have a lot to answer for. And right. I think the left can't save them. Fauci thinks the left can. All of the institutional support, all of the bicoastal culture, all the awards he gives them. Uh, but it's not going to work. The yeah. truth will finally, the Pravda won't work anymore for him. And he's going to end up a very sad, tragic figure. And I'm not saying he he didn't he he probably had a good career. I disagreed with him going way back to things he kept pivoting on on the HIV stuff. But boy, the way he handled this epidemic and the lies and the misinformation that came out of his office is is just reprehensible. Yes, and I think he's going to pay a big price for it. Donald Trump knew that, and Donald Trump, I think, made a fatal error. I, I can understand why he did it. He felt that Fauci was the science, not that he believed he was the science in real terms, but he was the science incorporated and he was tied up in the liberal hate machine. And if he fired Fauci, then he would get a level of invective uh, that would be not sustainable during the COVID problem. I, I have a different view that had he fired him and been defiant, and got him out of the equation very early, he would have been able to survive that firing. Instead, he kept him and even gave him an award. Yeah. And I think that was his advisors uh, gave Trump the wrong advice on that. Yeah. And back on uh, you know, uh, Pence, uh, we talked about earlier in, in this episode, uh, he was the head of this whole COVID effort, ostens not ostensibly, but by name. But I, I wonder if that at some point uh, his culpability in in the wisdom of, of Fauci or his failure, sins of omission related to calling out Fauci at the time should be revisited on him. Not that he has any chance of becoming president himself. Yeah, I, I, I think if they had just told the truth, if they had just said, these are mRNA vaccinations. We haven't tested them the way we should have tested them, but we don't have enough time. They're a little different. They're not quite vaccinations as you define that in the past. They're more of a little bit of genetic engineering where we're going to trick the immune system into creating spike proteins and flood your system. And we think that people who are elderly and at the most risk of COVID should take these, but younger people, well, probably we wouldn't want to to subject us to this untested uh, vaccination. And then if they had just said, this is a very controversial thing to do if we shut down the schools, because we know from research, if a person eight, nine, 10 loses two years of their education, they don't quite make it up. And especially disabled people, special needs people. It'll be a disaster. So we're going to be very careful and turn this over to local jurisdictions. And there'll be no national recommendation because we don't know. And the same thing about the lockdown. But that's not what they did. They, they kept bombarding us with Moderna's 96 percent 
effective stopping infectiousness and being infected with no side effects whatsoever. And Pfizer is 94%. And everybody has to have two or we're going to kick you out of the military. But we're going to let in anybody from a foreign country who wants to walk across the border. So it was a disaster. And it was really an, a sh uh, an illustration that we treat non-citizens better than our own people because we yeah. really demonized some of the best people in the U.S. military. And I have a lot of close friends that that just chose not to get the vaccination. And people really got angry at them. It was almost as if they were unpatriotic or disloyal. Right. They were going to kill people. And uh, that was I just couldn't figure that out. And. I don't know, as someone who got the two Modernas and then got COVID three times, one for 18 months of long COVID, I'm still not convinced that the long, that the Moderna vaccinations in my case were all that safe. I got a terrible reaction after the second shot. I was in bed for about a week. It was worse, actually, than the first time I got COVID. And I think certain people were susceptible that had immune challenges, but we don't even talk about that. And the, the final the final jury, I'll just end on this, Jack. If you're not honest with the American people and you just call people who ask legitimate, legitimate um, questions that they're election deniers or they're vaccination deniers or they're cracks, then you're, you're going to lose public trust in this particular case. If you look at the number of people who are getting the first booster, second booster, third booster, fourth, it's just steadily downhill. Right. And that's sad because if they came out honestly and told us these are the number of people who had this particular vaccine booster and these are the side effects and these are the numbers here and this is the cost of benefit and this is the upside versus the down, they don't do any of that. It's 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 just what Herodotus said in the war that when the Ionians came to Sparta and they explained they wanted their help. And somebody said, help you guys. You want us to go all the way over the Aegean? Are you nuts? And then when they went in front of 30,000 Athenians and they said, we need help. Yes. On on to Ionian. His point was it's easier to whip up hysteria with 30,000 people than it is with oligarchs. Not that he right. was in for oligarchy, but that's one of the great challenges of democracy, democratic culture to stop. It's kind of like a gas. If you like that and you get that democratic hysteria and you saw it after George Floyd and the woke, all of a sudden Stanford University was hiring hundreds of, well, dozens of uh, diversity, equity, inclusion people. And all of a sudden, uh, me too, we woke up one day and almost everybody was gone. Harrison yeah. Keeler and everybody. It was crazy. Like a run out of bank. Almost, it was. It was just yeah. like, a, and that is what, how democracies can get into those hysterias. Right. And, and they destroy people who say, you know, hold on a minute, just stop. Right. You're, you're the enemy when you do that. Russian collusion is another one. Yeah. As we talked about. Well, Victor, let's end, end with um, a letter, an email I got um, and shared with you. And it's very, really long, and I'm not going to read the whole thing. One of part of this email poses a question. It's from uh, Dan. I can give his last name, but it's, it's from your, your favorite Minnesota iron worker. And this is the last paragraph, but then I'm going to read that first and then get to the proceeding. And he concludes this long email, which I share with you. He writes, keep 
keep up the amazing work, you two. I have no criticisms to level at you. Thanks, Dan. <laughs> You're very unique in that regard about me. Still listening while welding, walking joists and beams and other activities on the jobs that are surrounded by diesel machines so we can build hospitals to provide terrified limbs with their vaccines and gender transitions. He's a pretty, pretty funny guy. But here's what he wrote uh, uh, elsewhere in this uh, email. Uh, excuse me, uh, folks. I love when you bring up the music associated with certain groups of people, usually the stoner Marxist hippies of the 60s or today's woke pop country listeners. Where do you suppose the me's, and he's talking about himself, of the world fall in? And by that, I mean the, the lifelong heavy metal, Pantera, Slayer, Metallica, loving tattooed conservatives. Do you suppose that's the new wave of working middle class construction workers who now have a let's go Brandon sticker on 80% of their hard hats. If you've never listened to Metallica's and justice for all do so. The entire album is a spot on spot. Uh, I think mid spot on narration of the last three years. I believe James uh, Hetfield was reading Orwell at the time and talk about a time when metal was all about eight minutes long, minute plus long instrumental intros, three blinding solos throughout the song and lyrics that actually talked about deeper things. Victor, I, I have to admit, I've never, I'm not, Heavy metal guy never was. I actually, uh, I thought Dan here is a really smart guy, good writer. I might go back and find this album and, and listen to it. But uh, that was a very anyway, nice letter. Very thought, I, my yeah. only confession is I don't. I've never listened to heavy metal. I wish I. From what he said, it's it's interesting. But I really appreciate his letter. It's very nice. Yeah, we get well, a lot of we get a lot of really wonderful letters from people. I get yeah. I mean, yeah. I feel really bad. I I get, oh, I don't know, 50 or 60 a week at my office. And then I get four or five a day at my personal mail, uh, snail mail. And then I get, you know, a couple hundred a day at my email. And then we get the same amount or more at the author at the website. So we put them all together. There's just no way I can answer them. Yeah. But I, yeah. Feel, but I do try to read them. It's tough being Victor Davis Hanson. I no, I don't know. mean that. I'm just, when I used to write people, I get angry if they didn't write back. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, well, I'll, I'll let you know of, of all the turmoil you go through, Victor. And I, I, I wrote Victor this the other day, my, my mother, my dear mother, who's 90 and, and in de, with dementia and put foxes on and, and she saw you, I guess, on Jesse Waters uh, the, the other night and you reminded her of her father at, at a younger age and uh, she, my sister told me she's so happy now when she sees you on Fox because it just makes her think of her dad so you're serving you don't know the ways Victor <laughs> the many many ways you are pleasing people uh, out there and your fandom is, uh, is is really widespread hey Victor you've been terrific today uh, great wisdom shared I thank you for that thank for our listeners I, and some of you who write me very few obviously but but still, thank you, telling me that you've signed up for Civil Thoughts. It's the free weekly email I write for the Center for Civil Society at Amphil. Go to civilthoughts.com, sign up again. It's free and a dozen plus recommended readings. I think you will enjoy it. Thanks to those who do that. Thanks to those who write in comments. Thank you, Victor. And we will be back soon with another episode 
of the Victor Davis Hanson Show. Bye-bye. Thank you, everybody, for listening. It's Amanda Head, and I am thrilled to introduce to you my new exciting podcast, Furthermore, with Amanda Head, broadcasting weekly from sunny Los Angeles, California, and brought to you by the dynamic Just the News Podcast Network. On this fresh and engaging podcast, I delve into the latest news with a little bit of a twist, exploring the furthermore of every story. But this isn't your typical run-of-the-mill news commentary or politically charged program. I interview a diverse range of guests, including business leaders, entertainers, musicians, educators, experts, politicians, and many influential figures from both the United States and around the world. So why not make your Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays a little more interesting? Tune in on your preferred podcast platform and discover furthermore with Amanda Head on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And don't forget to hit that follow or subscribe button and be sure to download the latest episodes. I can't wait to have you join me on this exciting journey.